0: welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the mile high sports podcast network I am your host Drew Creisman. as always I am excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you but this is going to be a little bit of a tough one. I'll, I'll do my best to talk about a couple of fun things here in the, in the middle of all of this. Obviously, the Rockies getting swept by Cleveland, not what anyone around here was hoping for. And now at 10 games under five hundred twenty-seven and 37, the season is really slipping away from the Colorado Rockies. You know, we're just 60-plus games into the season, so... It's not there. There's still more games to be played than have been played, right? And and I can give you all of the caveats, and they're all true. Look, if the Rockies were to suddenly turn this thing around, it wouldn't be the most dramatic turnaround in Major League Baseball history. It wouldn't even be the most dramatic turnaround probably in Rockies history, um, though. That kind of depends on how you look at it, because uh, you know their big runs have come obviously in their seasons where they ended, where they were mediocre and then very good. As opposed to, at this point, you're once you're ten under, you're in bad territory, and that's where they are. That's where they've been here pretty comfortably for over a month now, despite the fact that I do think they've been playing fun. Well, <laughs> they've been pitching. I'll, I'll get I'll get to why I stopped there in the middle of that sentence in a minute. In the defense, um, but but they've been pitching a lot better, really, for the last two weeks. And that's led to some results, especially, you know, on the, the California road trip, as we talked about. And it even made all of these games competitive, despite the fact that, you know, Gomber didn't have a great one. Uh, Chad Cool couldn't quite get his quality start. Uh, Sensatella did, and they lost all three anyway. But none of them really got blown up, blown up. Uh, really, Gomber coming the closest. And, but all of the games were winnable, Right. They just didn't win any of them. And now, you know, the offense really has gotten cold. Uh, I've been talking for a while because the the numbers were really holding up. But really, over the last two weeks, it's been bad. Uh, Even their best hitters, guys like CJ Krohn, have gone cold. uh, At least, especially, I should say, uh, in terms of the power. They're not hitting home runs, which uh, Bud Black has talked about in a lot of these media scrums. And it's the thing that the team was built on. And it, it just... We haven't seen it, right? We, there's, uh, Like I mentioned, the CJ Krohn power outage has been a little bit strange, but you couldn't have expected him to necessarily keep up his monster pace forever. Uh, Randall Gritchick has been stuck on his uh, five for a little while. Uh, really, Connor Joe, has, has, as much as the on-base element, has continued to be consistent. He's not slugging for anything. Charlie Blackman has been the one guy recently who's been managing to put the ball over the wall and into the gaps. Uh, with semi-regularity, right? You've got Jonathan Daza, who's probably been, all, almost certainly c- continued at this point now to be their, their I guess, most consistent hitter, their most regular contributor, right? It's all the things that I used to say about Tapia, but Daza is doing it at a much better clip and and he's done it all season now. So he really been has been the one guy that you can count on, on a day-to-day basis to have a good at-bat pretty much every time up, make contact more often than not and get you hits regularly and not go into a slump but of course the big problem there is he doesn't hit home runs right so he's been your best hitter but he is not necessarily indicative of the philosophy that your offense was supposed to be built around And, uh, you know, with the rest of these guys, just kind of Diaz hasn't been able to hit at all. And he certainly hasn't been able to hit for power, which has left Brian Servin really there to pick up the slack. And I'm actually writing about that right now for MileHighSports.com, so I don't want to dive too much into it there. But that was one spot where the Rockies were really expecting to be able to have some potent power numbers is out of the catcher position and they just have not gotten that despite the fact that I think it's fair to say that Brian serven has been a pretty fun surprise and has, you know, contributed a lot more than I would have expected of a guy just kind of thrown into this fire. Still, you're not getting those, big power numbers as uh, you know, much as Brendan Rodgers has completely turned it around and looked like a totally different hitter. And, you know, I've seen a little bit of it. I wrote about him today and I've seen a little bit of pushback on him because he's twice this week grounded into game ending double plays. Like that's not a thing. Uh, I, I don't know how, how else to say it other than like that's going to happen sometimes. You know, he has a walk off to run Homer this year. I don't think you can look at those two at bats and say, "Well, he was over anxious, or he's, you know, doing the wrong thing in this at bat." You got a guy out there throwing a hundred mile an hour cutters. You're trying to hack at anything you think you can handle that that you see out of the hand that you recognize is going to be a strike because you don't want to get in a backwards count. There's no point in seeing a ton of pitches. I don't think, given the situations he's been in lately, so yeah, the game-ending double plays, especially when you're down two. You know, you you're, you are the tying run at the plate, and you don't necessarily need to hit the home run, but hey, ball in the gap, and now you're really in business. There, uh, hits into the double plays, frustrating. We've seen a couple of those this year out of C.J. Crone as well. Again, good good hitters hit into double plays a lot more uh, than people realize when you look at the top. Uh, if you look at the list of the top 10 guys who hit into double plays, they're almost always some of the best hitters in the league. Uh, It's funny. It's something they used to say about DJ LeMahieu a lot when he was here. He hit into a ton of double plays, but that was because he made an an extraordinary amount of contact, and Charlie Blackman was always on base in front of him, right? So, brutal there for Rodgers, but he has, I think, he's in a really good place offensively, just overall, uh, but still not quite as... Often I was, you know, hoping I still think there's more in there, I'll say the a peak for him in terms of home run per at bat. And and that's really up and down the line. The only guy you can't really say that about is Crone, who you feel like was due for a little bit of a slow run here, and he'll he'll get back to hitting the ball over the wall. But that for me, you know, as much as I had been I'm still impressed with the way this offense manages to get some runs on the road and i know people feel like that's an, an incredibly low bar but it's also a 30 year history of not being able to do that and so i still think this offense has elements to it um and has done things this year that have really impressed me even though it might seem like really you're impressed they got two runs in a their first road game in california and i'm like yeah actually i'm very impressed that they went out uh, and they actually got 5 runs remember when they were on their first road game in California this time out and so those kinds of things are encouraging but right now there's really just no element of this team that is playing well for long enough that I have any reason to believe that they can turn it around now as i wrote today you could have said the same thing about Brendan Rogers at the end of April, right? I see no evidence and no reason to believe that he's about to turn around. And then he did because baseball is weird like that. And, you know, I can say the things. We all know the things. Get quality starts. Stop making defensive errors. The bats have to wake up and the bullpen has to stop imploding. But those are four big things, folks. Those are that's why I just don't think, uh, you know. And I never thought this was a postseason team. I think they're going to struggle now to meet my, you know, prediction of being barely over 500 at this point. But I, I do think that's all there. Again, we know that teams go through these stretches. This has been a particularly long one for the Rockies. I, I do think there's plenty of opportunity to stabilize a bit, but it, it's going to be rough, and we're going to have to start having conversations pretty close. Uh, pretty soon about how they you know, start playing out the end of the season and, and what they do with individual players on their roster and looking more into those questions about who's going to be a big piece for the future, who's maybe somebody who's not going to be around for the future. I'll talk a little bit about the roster move that, that we saw this week in just a second. But you know, diving into each and every one of these individual games, you keep coming away with basically the same story that, you know, even when the starting pitching does manage to do its job, which has been far too infrequent this season, it's undone by bad defense or offense that goes cold at just the wrong time. And then even when those things are holding up, sometimes you're having the bullpen implosion. And that's just a recipe for disaster. And, uh, you know, the, the losing at home is also an absolute recipe for disaster. I think that's the one... You know, sort of meta question that is to say, outside of the day to day, you know, this guy's not playing well, that guy's not playing well, all the all the things I was just giving you, right? The in between the lines analysis, just stepping back and looking at it and saying, was it seven in a row at home? Like you and and they haven't won a series at home, and how long? Like you can't, you cannot win as the Colorado Rockies team if you're not dominant at home, and not only are the Rockies not dominant at home right now, they're struggling to find wins at all. And sometimes against teams that are very, very beatable, like Kansas City and now Cleveland. You know, and Cleveland's got a decent ball club. They're a a solid right above 500 team, but these were all winnable games. And the Rockies didn't win them because of the same things that have been. And once you're this deep into June... You know, you can't small sample size it away. You can't just look at the defense as inexplicable as it is. And as much as I can just say it has to be better and it should be better. Like, it's just there. It's there all the time now. And I don't know what is to be done about it, but you cannot win baseball games that way. Not this team. Absolutely not. And so, yeah. Uh, you you all knew most of that but uh sorry for the frustrating news and analysis that's all there really is to say about that you know they move forward here the three gamer against san diego and and then it's off on the road to miami and minnesota before the dodgers come to town to finish out the month and if you haven't you know to some degree recovered if you haven't pulled yourself back into it a little bit going into the month of the trade deadline you do need to very seriously start looking at these types of things. Now, I'll talk about this now because I'm somebody that oftentimes shies away from these conversations. First of all, I think people just have them way too often and we do far too much like theorizing uh, rather than just analyzing of what has happened. And and I think there's plenty more to dive into there. Uh, And the trade and free agency talk can sometimes be just overwhelming at times. But The Rockies are in a position right now that is unique to where they've been in the past. And I understand but disagree with a lot of the criticisms about the Rockies not trading certain players when they should have, in giant air quotes, right? Last year, you can look at John Gray and Trevor Story. And I'm not going to relitigate those two individual cases right now. What I'm going to say to you is that the people that the Rockies should seriously be considering moving at the deadline this year are not John Gray and Trevor Story, which is to say they don't have that kind of just cachet in the community, with the fans, with the team, in the clubhouse. There are so many things that when those kinds of guys who've been the lifeblood of your franchise are moved it, it can have a lot of ripple effects that a lot of times fans and analysts don't want to talk about or don't want to think about because it's the very human, like inside the clubhouse elements of the game, right? And so, again, we could relitigate those old things all day, but in the now, what's worth recognizing is that there are several kind of veteran players on this team who are playing pretty well. Who are on one-year deals? Who are not a part of the grand story or history? Uh, they don't exist on all-time Colorado Rockies list. Where, believe it or not, John Gray is a top, probably a top five Colorado Rockies pitcher of all time. Trevor Story is one of the most talented and, and important Rockies of all time. You know Jose Iglesias, Randall Grichik, Alex Colomay, not. Not They're not. right They're, and, and as much as I've enjoyed watching those guys play and as much as I think there's a potential for them to be of value to the organization if they were to stay on in the future, I also think it, it. this is one of those cases where it actually does make a lot more sense to move on from these types of players. The Rockies also have more of a history of this type of thing. We saw it with Michael Givens before. Uh, and so on, so those are the types of cells they're more likely to do as opposed to a big name. I think the one you know that I've seen floating around and, and, and bandied about a little bit that would be kind of interesting is CJ Crone, and you understand the argument there, right? Which is that Crone is one, he's having a great year with the bat, right? And he had a great year last year with the bat, he's still. Relatively young, was he 32, he's not, he's not, you know, into his mid 30s yet. And so he's, he's still got some of that. He's, he's got a contract through next year, which gives you added value. So you could probably get some, some pretty decent players from, some pretty decent prospects for CJ Cronin. Honestly, if somebody called me, if I'm the GM and somebody calls up and offers some pretty decent pitching, uh, you know, given that the Rockies have a lot of corner guys in their system. Uh, including Ryan McMahon, Eluheros Montero, Michael Tolia, Ryan Velade, Colton Welker, who may have a little bit of a of an injury bug now. So, but but again, that's like five guys I just named, right? Um, before a, there's even the possibility of going out and signing another CJ Cronin, If you were getting a, a big hitting, slugging first baseman, should be something that this team should be able to do. Even though we know the. Daniel Murphy and Ian Desmond years were a weird <laughs> example of them, very much not being able to do that. Now, I really like CJ Crone, uh, and I and I again, this is one of those things where I think if you just boil it down that way, you could almost say, well, then the Rockies should trade them because they're probably they're not going anywhere this year, almost certainly. Next year's still going to be tough or whatever, but like I just said, they could just as easily replace him with any of those guys. Maybe not all of his production, but a decent amount of it, and they need to shore up these other parts of their team. So that's just something that you should do, and it's something that a smart team would do, right? But I also think that that totally undervalues what CJ Crone has come to mean to this team. Now, he hasn't been around as long as those other guys, and he's not yet... You know, an all time Rocky or any of those things. But remember, this is one of those guys who jumped around and played on like six different teams in six different years and has been. Really excited about the fact that the Rockies have wanted him here for this you know, three-year window, maybe even more. And he's been a remarkable leader in that clubhouse. He's one of those guys that the Rockies have needed and not had for a little while who can joke around and lighten the atmosphere and get everybody having fun, but also bring a little bit of that serious, and I know what I'm doing, and I can be the anchor, and I can be kind of the big papa of the clubhouse, and he's been fantastic at that. And so... You know, I do think that if you plan on competing next year, then that's something you've got to consider about a move like that. And why for me, again, I would need a very impressive package of pitchers to move on from CJ Crone. When it comes to these other guys, I really like Jose Iglesias. I've enjoyed the experience, though his defense has been... Uh, worse than I expected, and a lot of people called me out on that and said the last couple of years he hasn't been as good in Detroit. Uh, You know, it's tough with those numbers. Sometimes they over-exaggerate, and I was still looking at the fact that, and it's not always the best tool, but that the fielding percentage is generally pretty good, and I expected a guy to come in and at least play solid veteran defense. He's made more just unusual mistakes than I was expecting out there, but then again, so has everybody. There's been something in the water this year for the Rockies. And he's actually hit quite well. Uh, no, again, no power, no pop. A little bit of double in there. We've seen the gap double, the double down the line. But fantastic batting average regularly. Fantastic batting average on the road, which is massive for the Rockies and not something I think you'll get extra points for in a in a trade because I don't think people recognize that. But, but you do for not having the giant splits. That's certainly helpful because it's something that other teams go, oh, maybe this guy's a Coors Field product, even though most of us here know that's not really a thing. You can't really make that claim with Iglesias. And he's been particularly fantastic this year with runners in scoring position. Uh, And he also is one of those guys who brings a phenomenal presence to the clubhouse. And he's actually the closest thing they've had to Gerardo Parra since Parra left. Uh, He's just fantastic at all of that stuff. So again, I would say you don't just trade him just to trade him for some rando out there because maybe he would come back on a veteran deal next year. But of course, you've got this Ezekiel Tovar kid doing absolutely tremendous things. It looks like he's going to be the real deal. You don't necessarily want to bet your entire future on him immediately at shortstop. And so it's probably, you know, you're going to need another shortstop around anyway. Maybe you do just keep... Iglesias because he's relatively cheap, the one-year five million dollar deal. But he's another guy where, yeah, someone's going to give you a prospect because they think Iglesias can come in and help their offense and help them, uh, you know, win a pennant or or do whatever they're trying to do out there. And so they're willing to give up a young Triple A, you know, maybe potential closer or setup man for you in the future. You need to shore up your bullpen. You've got Ezekiel Tovar. Those are the kinds of things you need to be thinking about. Same thing with Alex Colomán. I, you know, I loved the acquisition, and part of the reason why I loved the acquisition was precisely for this reason, that if he was having a good year but the Rockies were not playing well, you could move on from him, use the fact that he's doing well at the most difficult place in all of baseball to pitch, he's got this long resume, I think you can get something out of Columet, and he's... Thirty-six, I'm pretty sure. So you know, you're not really thinking about him as a as a part of your long-term future here in Colorado either. I've enjoyed watching him pitch. I think that cutter is super awesome. Uh, I I think his attitude is the one thing that is the the perfect fit for Coors Field. He's just got the right attitude as a relief pitcher, which not all of them do. Um, But I think you can probably get something pretty quality out of Alex Colomay if he continues to pitch well. So these are all guys, you obviously you're rooting for them to play well because you want them to play well. You want all the Rockies to play well. You'd like for them to, to do well and win. And hey, it'd be nice to see Chris Bryant back out there on the field at some point. Uh, but those are the guys I think most specifically you could get something out of that it really does make sense to... Not only move on from them because of all the reasons I said you, you, you can get a decent return, and they can go help somebody win. They're veterans who you don't see as a long-term part of your future, nor as pillars of the Colorado Rockies organization. But it also opens up a lot of opportunities for these young players. Who, as strange as it may seem, despite what you know, certain national analysts will tell you about the Rockies not having a good farm system or whatever, there are a lot of guys coming up who are going to need playing time very soon. I mentioned just the corner guys earlier in Montero, Valade, Welker, Tolia. Those are all guys who are very close to, if not all, have already three of those guys have already made their major league debuts. You know, Montero is probably the one guy I would say I want to see the most of in a season that continues to slip away from the Rockies that's when you start playing those young guys more and more. But you can't just bench CJ Krohn, right? And you're not going to take Ryan McMahon away from his spot when you just signed him to a long-term deal. And he's still actually trying to work through some stuff and make sure that he can reclaim his spot as a, a solid foundation of the organization moving forward. And so, you know, the DH is right there, but... You bench in Connor Joe. So again, you don't, you're don't. you not really in a position where you can bench any of these veteran guys who are contributing to your club and need to play while they're on the roster. And that's why I think maybe, yeah, as this thing starts to slip away, as much as I'm the guy that's typically like, ah, you don't need to start trading the house just because that's what people do when they're out of it. The Rockies do have this sort of unique set of players who... Oh, and I, I didn't even mention Randall Gritchick. I just looked back at him before doing the final thing here. Uh, And and that's another one. He actually goes through next year, so you've got a little extra. It'd be nice to see him get real hot right before uh, the deadline, right? But the Rockies do have a number of outfielders that they need to give a look and give playing time, including this one last thing that I wanted to talk about, The, the roster move. For the week that you all saw, uh, Sam Hilliard does get sent back down to Triple A. He'd really been struggling. I think the lack of playing time was just finally starting to get to him, and and that's it can really become a snowball effect, right? You, you're not getting playing time, and then you're not hitting well, and because you're not hitting well, it's hard for the manager to call your name and put you into spots. And you know, he got pinch hit for in a big. You know, critical moment the other night when it was left on right, and and Buddy went right on right and stuck in Connor Joe for him, and I think that was a pretty telltale sign of where uh, the coaching feels that Sam is at right now. Uh, but I don't think that the organization or any of these coaches have given up on on Hilly. I, I think you know they're very hopeful that he can go down and get some regular playing time in AAA, get the bat right, get himself hot, and then maybe we will see him again at some point uh, in the future this season because there, there's still a lot of talent there. There's a just off-the-charts raw skills and, and potential, but uh, we haven't seen it show up with any kind of consistency yet at the big league level, and so that move made a ton of sense. The team calls up Sean Bouchard, which was an interesting one. Again, they had actually quite a few AAA guys who were raking that they could have... Uh, called upon including Winton Bernard uh, I, I mentioned all the other guys earlier The I'm not going to say all of their names again you know the corner guys I haven't talked about and then Villet plays a little outfield as well but they do go with uh, Bichard who I've been watching throughout most of his career he's a 6'3 215 bats right throws right first baseman slash outfielder I don't know much Uh, about his defensive profile, but he has always been sort of this gap-to-gap doubles hitter. Really quality numbers uh, in in terms of his offense. He's always been above average uh, with WRC Plus numbers, starting out in low A in 2017, going 146, 115, 132, 123 in double A last year, and this year so far in triple A at age 26, so a little bit old for the level, but still a very impressive 169 WRC plus. In 37 games played, 165 played appearances, he's hitting 338, on basing 430, and slugging 683. It's 11 home runs. 34 ribbies, nine stolen bases. He can move a little bit. And uh, really, it's been the doubles. The the doubles throughout his career. In 2018, he hit 34 doubles. In 2019, 28 doubles. And in 2021, 30 doubles. Uh, And again, that's that's not... uh, They don't play 162 games down there, right? So it's uh, 91 games he hit, 28 doubles. And then 91 games the next year... Well, not actually the next year after missing all of 2020 because of a pandemic. So two years later in his double-A season at 2021, he hit 30 doubles in 91 games. Uh, So this is a consistent line drive hitter uh, who's never been below average in any of his seasons. Never huge home run totals, 14, 13, 14. Like I said, the 11 this year is a very nice pace that, you know, he's on pace to shatter his high of of fourteen home runs in a season, but you know maybe he's he's coming into his own, and, and all of that you you gotta find out. He's never been one of these top prospect guys, right? Not even really a top twenty guy. That's why I said it was you know it was an interesting piece of news to read, because there were a number of guys they could have called on for this spot, but it looks like the organization, he's, you know what he is, actually, this is, the, now that I think about it, it is reminding me a lot of Ryan Feltner, somebody whom I've always seen in the organization, and I was, you know, I look over at the numbers and I'm checking on the big name prospects, right, that's the distinction I'm drawing here, is when I'm checking in on the big name guys, and you look over and you see, oh, there goes Sean Bouchard continuing to do his thing. And, you know, of course, the organization and the coaches, they're going to have closer eyes on all of that and and have, you would hope, a, a better feel for whether or not this guy is going to be able to contribute. So it looks like they think he might be one of those guys. And, you know, like I said, Ryan Feltner is never somebody I tried to hype fans up. For in the future, the way, for example, not that I'm necessarily trying to hype you up over prospects, it's not really my job, but I think Aloe Harris Montero is a chance to be something special, right? And I've, I've mentioned that several times. I think Michael Tolia has a chance to be something special. Some of these guys are further away, but guys like Zach Veen and Drew Romo really have this kind of star potential, this kind of buzz around them. And guys like David Dahl were coming up, Ryan McMahon, even though we haven't fully seen it come to fruition yet. Uh, you know, some of these pitchers, though, it Panned out to various degrees, right? John Gray was a big prospect. We know the Brendan Rogers story. We're still going through with that with the buzz. And and Bouchard and Feltner have never been those guys. They've never been close to those types of lists, but they just keep putting up good numbers. And it's interesting to note these types of players, player like Connor Joe. Um, When we do talk about Rockies development, because no, they're not as good as the Dodgers. Again, to get back to yesterday's or whatever day that was conversation. Of course, those guys are the absolute masterclasses in developing, especially young players. But you got to take a look in at some of these other guys sometimes and recognize that it's a huge development success story sometimes not to make a guy into a superstar, but to take a guy who really none of the scouts or analysts ever thought was going to be much of a thing. And Ryan Felton, all of a sudden is throwing very impressive games at the major league level. So let's see what happens here with Sean Bouchard. Uh, let's give him his chance. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be fun and interesting to see how the Rockies start doing more stuff like this, because obviously just staying the exact course, isn't doing anything. They haven't been playing well for a while. It's hard to argue that they can't be messing with the roster at all. So, you know, I, we'll keep looking forward to things like this, see who's going to get some more opportunities, see if they do start.ing Maybe even before you get to the deadline, make a few few deals and, and start getting some of these young guys playing time. Because I I do think there's still uh, a foundation to build upon here, but you have to build upon it. You have to start doing that. And and I think just looking at what's happening right now and saying, okay, well, we're just going to stick with this. I, I don't think that's a... Uh, uh, not only do I not think that's a wise way to go, I don't think that's the way they're going to go, um, quite frankly. I, I think we're going to see some changes. We've already seen a couple, um, but there, there are more coming. And, um, yeah, I'm at least very much looking forward to, even though it might still be a couple of weeks before this happens, watching some of these younger players get their chance and trying to figure out who is going to be a part of the future for the Rockies. That's always fun, so... I know they haven't been playing great lately, but that's what I'm looking forward to. Let me know what you're looking forward to for the rest of the season, what you'd like to see the Rockies do, either to turn this thing around or if they can't turn this thing around, what you would like to see uh, out of the Rockies for the rest of the season. So hit me up on uh, Twitter or in Discord or any other places that you can find me. Appreciate you all uh, for listening into this episode of the podcast. Make sure you're downloading it on Mile High Sports Podcast Network. You're checking out milehighsports.com for all the written content and other than that you're just continuing to be absolutely awesome out there you know that i will continue to be absolutely drew creaseman in here and until next time i will see you at the ballpark